sisters, uh, tonight I'm here with you and quite grieved. The father's been last few weeks really been putting a heaviness on my heart and everywhere I look, I just see it. And it's really been concerning to me. I want to share tonight something with you that I've witnessed over the years. And I think many of you have witnessed the very same thing. See, I want to submit to you that there are times throughout history, in fact, that God has called a movement, a people, and he has chosen by his divine grace to show them something, to give them a revelation, something that is about to rock the face of the earth. In fact, that's what happened in the very first century when our Messiah came and he met his disciples. He called them up one by one and they would be chosen to become men of God who would shift the fabric of the religious realities of what was occurring in the first century in Jerusalem. And I want to submit that before that, there was a man like Moses. There was a man like Elijah. There was a man like Noah. Throughout history, God has not been shy to choose people. And, and I don't know why he chooses whom he chooses, but I know it's not because of what they've done. It's because of his divine grace and sovereign will. And I want to submit that that's what's happened. God has chosen people, perhaps even chosen you, perhaps chosen someone like me for a time like this to be a change maker in a generation like this, a generation that needs it more than ever, a generation of lawlessness. But many people who are called, you know, many are called, but few are chosen. And I want to ask, are you chosen? Are you stepping up to what he has called you to be? Because how you steward what he is giving you this day is going to mean everything for you. You have a responsibility with what he's giving you. But what has happened? Generally, you know, I'm, I'm, tonight I'm going to speak. Let me just say this before I go on. I'm going to be speaking of groups. And when I do, I am not talking about every person, but I am going to be talking broadly in a sense. And so if the shoe fits, then kick it off. I want to submit to you that what has happened in this truth movement, this full Bible movement, this messianic movement, this whatever you want to call it movement, this thing that God has been doing, this revival he has been starting of getting people back to reading their whole Bibles from Genesis and to Revelation and taking it seriously. What has occurred is it, it started with a good revelation, with pure intentions of sharing that revelation. But then it became a never ending pursuit of that initial high of new knowledge. See, when God comes with a revelation to a people, whatever that is, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's something that 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 is just changes the fabric of who you are. And perhaps then that's why the flesh desires to latch onto that knowledge. And we get in this loop of pursuing it, pursuing something new. The next thing that's going to give us that vibe, that, that feeling we had the first time it happened to us. And then we started start start chasing the revelation over the savior. 
We started proclaiming the revelation more than the Savior instead of realizing that the revelation was only there to point you and everyone else to the Savior. And then what happens is in this knowledge starts, instead of it becoming something that should humble us, what it does is it exalts us in our own minds. Instead of it being like, wow, God, you have given this to me. I don't know why you've given this to me, Lord. I don't deserve this. Well, why me? And the humility that comes with that, the fear of God, of, oh, Lord, you've called me. Instead of that humility, we take it and we run with it and we use it to put other men beneath us. We use it to rule over others, to manipulate others. We use it for the kingdom of Satan. And we don't even recognize that. See, that's what happened in the first century, because the Pharisees got a hold. Certain Pharisees got a hold of the truth of God's word, his Torah, the the writings of the prophets, and they used it to reign over men. They used it to shake their finger at the poor and at the sinner instead of going in the midst of them like our Messiah did to reach out to them and save them. And so I want to submit to you that that's what's occurred. And another thing that's occurred is that we've been because of all of the above, we've been blinded by the pride that it creates in us because we give ourselves over to Satan without even realizing it. And then there comes this desire to to deconstruct not only perhaps the legitimate lies that we've believed in our past, because, of course, we all have inherited lies, and that's a true, a biblical fact. We must put off the world, put on the word of God in Christ. But what can occur is because we become blinded by the pride we've now inherited through our ruling, through our desire to put men and other people beneath us instead of serving them, what happens is we not only deconstruct that which is actually evil and move away from that, but we start deconstructing even that which is good. And this idea that the world's lie to us now goes so far that we feel like everything is a lie and we go from mountaintop to valley to get rid of everything. And we are blinded to even now discern accurately because the revelation that was good from God has now because of our lack of character and lack of ability to steward it well. Now it has become the very thing that has come across our path and actually been something that was not good to us, not because the revelation wasn't good, but because we were not humble in our handling of it. We have used it for the wrong purposes, just like the Pharisees who used the the revelation of God, his word for the wrong purposes, and it indirectly was what corrupted them because they used it for their own gain. Instead of realizing the word of God is holy, pure, righteous and good, and it should be received by a humble man who realizes the weight of the matter of handling the truth of God. But this, what I'm talking about here tonight, is historic. It is not the first time that it has happened throughout history, throughout the reformations. It occurred. We have had many movements and denominations rise up throughout history and they exist, but they have been handicapped in certain functions because they have allowed the same blindness to come upon them because of a lack of humility in handling the revelation that God has entrusted to them.
We have the, the Baptists who, even in their moving away from many of the things that their ancestors were in bondage to, they have inherited many of the same traditions. And then at the same time, they have rejected many of the works of the Holy Spirit. And of course, I'm speaking very generally here tonight. Or what about the Seventh-day Adventists who made up their some of their own traditions, of course, and similarly lack some of the movings of the Holy Spirit that we see in the life of Yeshua and his disciples? Or what about the Charismatics who, who have some movings of the Holy Spirit, but yet then it came at the cost of the truth that was to ground and bring order to the workings of God as Holy Spirit in the midst of us and through the gifts in the midst of us. And then we have something like the Hebrew Roots, where there has, because of what we have received freely, we have allowed it to puff up. And now there is no such thing as sacrifice anymore. Now, such, now there is no such thing as love anymore because, well, love, who, who needs love? That's what the, the church had. They had love. We don't, and it's become old. It's become even a swear word to us, to our ears. And with that, we have lost the first love of the Messiah himself and sharing the great salvation that he has afforded us. And with it, we are left lacking faith, left in a place where we struggle to trust God truly. We say we believe and we say we trust, but when the rubber meets the road and life gets real, our faith fails us and unbelief overtakes us. See, the question is, is how are we going to return to the walk of the Messiah? That was a worship of spirit and truth that he called all of us to. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the error began when the revelation came and we thought that it came to us because of our intellect. We, th we thought that we got it because we were smart enough to understand it. We thought we got it because we were some special people that God ordained to raise above all others. We thought, and so we trusted in our own minds, our own intellect, in ourselves, because we thought that it came to us because of ourselves. But the fact of the matter is, is that we do not refine our theology to become more like the Messiahs by trusting in our own human intellect, by trusting in how smart we are. Now, yes, God has given us the gift of having a mind and having understanding, but understand that the word of God and the depths of God cannot not be understood, but by the spirit of God and the spirit of God is at enmity with the carnal mind. And if you can understand that, that you can, you have to put away your desires before you could ever receive his desires for you. And so I want to submit to you that the revelation is received by faith and the grace of God by nothing else. And that's how it came our way, because we simply knocked and we were hungry and we wanted answers. But what happened along the way? What has occurred for us to be where we are, where it started so well? But how will it end is the question. See, I want to read this to you. Deuteronomy 9. Verse six. And we read the following. Know therefore 
that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. See, brothers and sisters, when God came to Israel and he chose them, he's making it clear. Don't think it's because you were smart or because you were righteous, you were a holy of yourself. No, it was, in fact, the opposite. You were stubborn. It is because of my grace, my mercy, that you're receiving what you are receiving. And so I want to submit the same. God has given you the land that he has given you, the revelation that he has given you, that from Mount Sinai, that from Mount Zion, whether it is true for his spirit, he has given it not because of you, your, what, if, what is you have done or, or your righteousness. He's done it because of who he is and his sovereign will to choose you. So don't use that as that which you use to lift yourself high over others and point a finger. Man, if, there's no finger to point because we're all destined for a hellfire without the Messiah. Now, keep as many laws as you want. We know you're not perfect. You know you've made mistakes and you make mistakes every day. Don't rely on your own works. Ra recognize that even though he's given you these great works to operate in and obedience that he's called you to, that you remain scarcely saved by the blood of the Lamb. And so because of all of the trust that we can place in ourselves, it is the very reason why our discernment, why our discernment erodes away. While we, why we struggle to now grow and why we start finding ourselves now growing further and further away from the, 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 the foundational truths that God has left for us. Now, here's what we need to do is turn your trust away from yourself and your own abilities and start giving it back to where you used to give it to your first love to the Holy Spirit that he has sent you saying, God, I cannot, I have no chance, O Lord, of understanding you, of understanding your word, of understanding your kingdom, of understanding your Holy Spirit, of understanding your Torah, of understanding your prophets, of understanding the end times. I have no chance of understanding any of it. But if your Holy Spirit would whisper something to me, if he would just say something to me, oh, God, speak to me. For if you don't speak, I will deceive myself. I will deceive everyone around me and I will be destined for the place of darkness. See, it is time for us to recognize that the reliance that we have placed on ourselves and on men and on teachers and on each other, everyone besides for the spirit of God, because we dare not go and speak and ask of him to impart to us his truths. Go back to your first love and let him restore perfect theology to you. And you will find that you're no longer in the scraps looking for the next new revelation to fill you up. You will find your high in the Messiah and not in the idol that you have made of knowledge. See, we have made it. We have a new God, the God of knowledge. 
a God that is there to serve our own interest, to give us an adrenaline rush that we have found the thing that we can now hold over others. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that with Christ being our high, then it's no longer going to be the shape of the earth. It's no longer going to be in your even your knowledge of the scriptures or even in the Sabbaths or in the feasts. See, these, some of these are holy and righteous gifts of God. But I want to read to you what he says in John 5, verse 39, because the people made many of the same mistakes. He says, you search the scriptures. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So he says, yes, they are good and that they witness about me. But you've been looking for something within them that they could never offer you in of themselves. For yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. See, you can turn over the pages of the Torah and the prophets until you're blue in the face like many did in the first century, going to the synagogue every Sabbath, listening to the law of Moses being read. Did you refuse to come to the Messiah? Not just not just praying a prayer. Jesus come into my life and I give I, I asked that I give asked that you would save me. No, but but did you come to him that you may have a life? Because you have been searching for life in the scriptures. Stop searching for the life in the scriptures and realize that the life is in the person of Christ. The person who is the Messiah of whom the scriptures bear witness of. See, we have to understand. Some of us have have made the mistake to think that Yeshua and the scriptures are the exact same thing that the scriptures are the Messiah. No, the scriptures isn't what saves us. The person of the Messiah who he's called you to have a relationship. We say I, the whole point of all of this is so that you can be restored back to the garden to speak, to walk with the father. That's the purpose. The, the purpose of the law and the prophets is to call you back to the garden. It's not to be the end and of itself of salvation and life. It's to bring you to the one of eternal life who is the tree of life. We have to start getting this in our heads if we want to have any chance of knowing him. Because many of you know the scriptures, but you have no idea who it's pointing to. You, 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 you say you, you've got an intellectual idea. But there is no true relationship to the depths of your heart. And that's why you don't understand the very scriptures you read according to how the spirit has called you to understand it. And you ask, why is it that the body is so divided? Everyone interprets things differently. Not everyone does. But those who are who are not searching through the lens of the Holy Spirit, they will never understand what they read. Those who depend on themselves will never understand what they read. And how can I you know, make these statements? The proof is in the pudding, as they would say. The proof is in the fruit of it. Because in what we see among the people, just look for yourself. Look for the fruit. See what it is like. And of course, there is a remnant that God has chosen and called. And many of you are who may be listening to this. You are that remnant and you are this message is for you. You're just like, yes, I see this, Petey. 
and and I am not speaking of you in this time, but but I am speaking of many at the same time who are those who have become men of condemnation, gatekeepers of salvation, who've used their knowledge that they have made an idol of since it is their God. They have now taken it upon themselves to become the ones who determine that it is by this God of knowledge that we are now saved. And that's why we hear things like you must believe in the flat earth to be saved or you must believe in this or that law or this or that ideology in order to be saved. I'm sorry, but last thing I last time I looked that there is only one who can save. There's only one author of salvation. There's only one who died on the cross. There was only one who died and it wasn't the shape of the earth who was on that cross. It was the Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus who died and who was resurrected. This earth is going to pass away and some of you put your faith in it. This earth will be destroyed and a new heaven, a new earth will come. Yet some of you are so hung up on something that's passing away. Brothers and sisters, some of us have no idea of the depths of what God is calling us to, that he wants to use us in great power and majesty upon this earth to literally see he you will see in your own footsteps how the Messiah is working through. you. That's what he wants to do through you. But you don't see it because your eyes are not on him anymore. And that's why we don't see the preaching of the simple gospel. That's why evangelism is fallen by the way. So that's why we have no reliance on the Holy Spirit or walking in the spirit. That's why we're always angry. That's why we're always addicted still. That's why we find ourselves running in circles and we see divorce everywhere. We see suicide everywhere because our eyes have fallen off of the Messiah and onto dead religious works. And of course, now we, we come to the point where not only have we moved away from that which we did see as a lie, but we start started deconstructing even some of our the past truths that we've inherited that were always true and will always be true. I want to tell you a little parable here tonight. There's a man and he endeavors to build a great house. He gets the contractors, the builders, and they build this house, one of the most incredible houses in the city. But after living in it, he recognizes a leak in the roof and he calls all his contractors and builders back again. And he says, tear this house down, tear it all down. Will those walking by not mock his humi- mock at his humiliation, not mock at his decision to come and tear everything down because of a mere leak in the roof. And you, you consider this a, a simple and obvious matter, yet such is some of you. Some of you have a temple and your temple had a, a leak in the roof, but you felt you thought, well, I am so majestic. I am so wonderful. And your pride blinded you to the point where you called the contractors to tear your temple down. Everything, every brick that Yeshua laid in you through many who came before you, even through the church that you grew up in, 
Even through the denominations that you may have moved away from, they sowed good seeds into you and good truths into you, but you thought it would be wise to tear everything down that is good. And see, brothers and sisters, it, it begins with a simple thing like we, will, we were taught lies. We've inherited lies, fine. But don't devolve into the idea that everything is a lie. To tear down everything that God has sown into you, because that is going to destroy your witness for good. And now, of course, the, the lies that we then initially may have inherited, what it does is it leaves us defenseless, defenseless to more lies that will come our way and will tempt us. Because when we run away from lies, and that causes us to become more gullible to rumors of lies. In other words, what we start doing is we start believing everything that sounds like it could be a lie, that sounds like it came from the same source, that sounds like and without, because it simply sounds a certain way, we don't verify, we don't look for evidence, we don't look for research, we don't dig deep, we don't pray and seek it from the Holy Spirit because we've got the intellect and we make the decision from place to place we jump, never finding a true place to settle down, never finding a home that's been built for us. I was lied about this, so that must be a lie as well. And then what starts happening is we start destructing, deconstructing. And many of you have witnessed this. You've seen friends and family destructing to become to back to Judaism or or destructing, deconstructing to atheism or or destructing to lukewarm Christianity, taking 10 steps, 10 steps back. But in fact, the reality is, is if you realize you were lied to, perhaps that should be what provokes you to rely more on the Holy Spirit. Because if you were deceived before, that means that there was something that slipped by and you need to now go and say, Holy Spirit, don't let that happen again. Don't let me fall into that place of, of deception again. And don't let me trust in myself again. I want to read to you John 14, 26. And he says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will say my name, he he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will teach you. He will teach you. Trust in him and let him be your teacher. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Recognize you are unable to search everything, even the depths of God. You cannot understand the depths of God. For he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person who is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except by the spirit of God who he has now given freely to you, but do you inquire of him to teach you? Or do you simply inquire of your own mind, relying on yourself? And see, then you will find your temple producing no life. You will, you will find yourself despising everything and destroying everything in your life that is spiritual. What do I mean by that? I mean that, that this, 
the, the word of God is spiritual. The mind in of itself cannot comprehend it. The law of God is spiritual, as Paul himself writes to us. And so if you simply move ahead by your mind and, and your own thought, your own thoughts and intellect, then you're going to start missing even the most obvious things, like the fact that Yeshua is divine, that Jesus is divine and worthy of our worship. Something it's now falling into question. I'm like, God, what is happening? We are even questioning the divinity of Yeshua himself. And we say, oh, no, it can't be. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, God is spirit. It was never going to make sense to your flesh. Or the baptism of, of water and the Holy Spirit uh, that falls by the wayside. It becomes less important. I grew up. I grew up in all of this. And I never had the opportunity offered to, to me to be baptized in the water and the Holy Spirit. Because it fell by the wayside. Because it's spiritual and, and the, the carnality of a man deprioritizes that. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to prioritize the most spiritual of spiritual things. And of which that is what it is. It's not something to just be taken, watered down, no pun intended, to be simply symbolic and not for what it is. That which crucifies us with the Messiah allows us to die and be resurrected with him. What about the laying on of hands? Something that is also a incredibly spiritual thing that's fallen by the wayside, whether it is the impartation of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, or if it's simply the laying of hands for the sake of prayer. When was the last time your assembly, your people in the assembly, the average congregants laid hands on one another and prayed for the needs of one another, exercised their gifts upon one another. When was the last time that happened, that spiritual act that God has instructed us to do in throughout the letters of the New Testament? What about spiritual gifts, that which is so spiritual yet has been tossed aside by much of the church at large? It's in the name. It's spiritual. Isn't it then therefore important for our spiritual lives? Or even the very simple simplicity of leading others to God, that incredibly spiritual thing whereby which all of the angels in heaven celebrate when a soul repents and come to him. But yet that simple thing of leading someone to him who does not know him. Yes, we can debate all day long in our fellowships, but when are we leading people to him? People who are out there who are who are starving and who are who are passing away as I speak in this moment. That incredibly spiritual thing. Or what about feeding the poor? That thing which the Messiah continuously lifted up as being one of the most incredibly spiritual things there is to do for us, even attributing it to being truly what it means to be a a religious man, a godly man. To look after those and even saying that he's going to come back one day and the way that we treated the least, he is going to say, that's how what you do unto me. How spiritual of an act is it if that act is how we treat the Messiah by treating the poor? Or what about the discipling of the poor, of sharing with them who he is and and taking them in? And bringing them to a place where they can get on their feet and be redeemed. 
But of course, no, instead, we we allow false doctrines to take the limelight because we've lost, lost sight of these very simple things that God has given us. And then you can say, well, PD, PD, we're all just using the scriptures. Like, how, how could this happen? Because we're all, we're all reading the same Bible. But I want to submit to you that Satan uses the Bible too. Satan is, in fact, the one who wants to destroy you, destroy your garden, destroy your ability to have presence with the Creator. And he is the one who uses the Scripture Often, in fact, he's either going to question the word of God. And if he can't do that, he's going to quote the word of God. See, quoting the word of God means nothing. It's about whether you do so according to Satan or according to the Messiah. I want to read to you Genesis 3 verse 1 so we can understand how the enemy does this. We see in the garden the first time he does this and he says, And he says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we might eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither will you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said, surely you won't. Questioning the word of God, implanting a doubt about whether the word of God is to be trusted and whether it is sufficient and whether God's best intentions are for us, are good for us. That's what the enemy was trying to do here. But he had a different strategy with Yeshua. See, when he came to the Messiah, he realized that the Messiah isn't going to fall for that. Jesus isn't going to fall for questioning the word of God. In fact, he is the author thereof. So instead, what Satan tried to do is quote his own very words. And we see this in Matthew 4, verse 6. And in this wilderness, it's, he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But the Messiah answers and says, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. See, I want you to recognize something here. That what Satan did is that he isolated scriptures. He quoted them out of their original context and out of the context of the overall Bible context. See, the word of God is to be read from Genesis to Revelation so you can understand the mind and will of God. And let me say, read with the relationship with the Holy Spirit so you can understand the mind and will of God and his intentions with his words. And then only you can understand what God really means when he says the words that he says. Yeshua, and he doesn't isolate scriptures and throw scriptures out verse here, verse there. Instead, what he does is he considers the full counsel of God. See, Satan prioritizes his own desires over the true context of the scriptures. In, in, in other words, what he does is he, he's and, and that's what he wants you to do, by the way, either for you to go and read a verse, read something in the Bible and settle it in your heart the moment you read it. 
either on purpose, not considering the context of the words, reading the whole chapter, reading the whole book it is laid in. Or you read the context, yet because your own desires are so great, you ignore the context for your own desires to be made magnified. But see, instead, what the Messiah does is he surrenders his own desires. He surrenders what he thinks. He surrenders it for the words, for the will of his Father who is in heaven, even knowing that he is to be called to be crucified and that this is what the path of God has prepared for him. Ultimately, he says, God, your will be done, not my will, not what my flesh wants. My flesh doesn't want to perish. But Lord, let your will be done because your will will resurrect me. Your will is perfect and good for me. See, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to shift. It's we've we've gotten so good at becoming an evangelist of everything under the sun, including the earth itself. We've become an evangelist of the pagan origins of Christmas and the pagan origins of this and that. And an evangelist, even dare I say, of the law or whatever it is that grabs your heart. We've become an evangelist of everything. We've proclaimed everything besides for him, for Yeshua. We proclaimed everything but him. It's time for us to start just proclaiming him again, who he is as savior. See, I'm, I'm going to last year. God gave me the honor to go to youth camps. I visited youth camps. I saw many young people, amazing young people. But I could also see that there were so many of them who did not know the Messiah at all. They knew the scriptures, but they knew not the Messiah. And many of them were in tears when they saw his majestic works that could set them free and did set them free. But see, they don't know that Messiah that sets people free. They just know the scriptures and they seek the scriptures to be the thing that saves them while the person is the one that saves them. See, it's time for us to simply become centered upon the Messiah again, centered on him and then everything that bears witness of him. Yes, we talk about that. We teach the word. Amen to that. I'm not saying anything else, but he becomes central to our lives. I want to read to you Matthew 28 verse 19. And we see this, this one that we all know, go therefore and number one, make disciples of all nations. Number two, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And number three, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always. Now, look, listen, these are his words and he tells us to teach his commandments. Hallelujah to that. But see, some of us, we've been teaching to observe all that he's commanded, but we've we don't make disciples. We don't baptize them. So so what ends up happening is we're teaching a whole lot of people who aren't disciples and who aren't being baptized. And then we are shocked at to why they don't understand, why they don't listen and why they have no interest. Because the word God, Yeshua himself said, the model is you make disciples. You baptize them and you teach them. Oh, we don't make disciples. 
We don't baptize. Go and make disciples. To make a disciple first means you need to tell them about the basic gospel simplicity of who the Messiah is. You need to then let them recognize that they repent of their sins and be baptized. And then you continue to teach them the commandments so that they can continue to be refined. But that initial introduction to the Messiah is what is needed. So many of our children, they, they're being told the commandments, but they have never been introduced to the Messiah for who he is as a person to talk to, to share with, to dwell in the garden with. We have missed the purpose of the words, of everything, to be back in the garden. And so, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to shift back to the sun. And if you don't shift, he's going to shift without you. The body is shifting. Where the body of Christ is shifting. The question is, is are you going to like stay there? Or are you going to follow the cloud? Shifting back to the Messiah, proclaiming that. And then we have a balanced perspective, a balanced teaching of here's the gospel. Here's the Messiah. We are baptizing people in the Holy Spirit and in water. We're feeding the poor. We're doing the things he told us to do. And we're teaching them the commandments of God. We're worshiping him in truth, in holiness and righteousness. And we're worshiping him in spirit. By prophecy, by speaking in tongues, interpreting of tongues, by by going forth and proclaiming words of wisdom and knowledge, all being trusting by trusting in the Holy Spirit for all of these things. And then perhaps by all these, we can have our love reignited within us. And when that love is reignited within us, we can have humility restored and we can have our discernment restored so we can see the scriptures clearly again. And this is what he has laid out for us. And it's not, I'm not proclaiming some new thing. I'm not proclaiming some, some big revelation here. I'm proclaiming to you that which has been proclaimed from the beginning to you. To dwell in the garden with your Messiah. To be with him. To spend that time with him. To know him as he knows you. And this is my last word concluding here tonight. This I want to say to the weary, to all of you who are looking at the body and who are distraught, all of you who are looking and and who are asking God, what is there to do? Is this defeat? Is this is this being squandered? What is going to happen? Because I felt that way. My I felt that way. I've got God. What is is all my labors in vain? That's truly how I felt. I felt God. God, you've sent me here for you. I've been in the U.S. now since 2019. I've been laboring, been laboring among many of you even. And many of you, you are also laboring. And I look upon everything and I wonder, God, are my labors in vain? What is happening? But I want to remind you of the scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. And he says this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do not look upon men to determine whether your labor is in vain or not. 
Look upon the Lord. Remain steadfast. Remain immovable. And then ultimately, our Prince of Peace, the one who's never changes and who's always the same, him who is immovable will sustain us. And so, guys, I want to just pray here tonight. Let us all pray now. Please pray with me. And I'm going to ask, because there is such a spiritual battle right now over these words that I've been speaking, there are there are people who are being deceived. And let's pray right now for the body of Christ, for every demonic lie and every false theology and every everything that attempts to lift itself higher than the gospel and the Messiah himself, anything that attempts to become an idol and that spirit of idol worship. Let's cast that down. Father, Lord, we speak, Father. Lord, as ministers that you have sent, Lord, you have anointed us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, the Spirit is here to speak freedom. And Lord, I ask that you would come with your Spirit. And right now to everyone, every family who's listening to this, that you would come, Lord, and break every idol. That you would break down every thing that's been built up in our lives as an idol. Father, in past it was wood and stone. Father, today it is knowledge. We have had such an increase of knowledge through the internet, and that is what has been worshipped. Oh, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would come and tear that down so we can put you back where you belong in our lives as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yeshua, you are the Word who was with God and who is God and who was there from the beginning, and there was nothing made that was not made through you. You are holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And there is no one beside you, Yeshua. And Lord, there is nothing, nothing that is supposed to be lifting itself up as divine above you. God, I ask Yeshua that you would come with your sword of the spirit and come and tear down every demonic stronghold right now in your people, Father, that has attempted to lie to the hearts of your people. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would come and open the eyes of the blind right now as I speak, that you would come, Lord, spiritually and physically and open up the eyes of the blind. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would come and just put mud spiritually on the eyes of the people so that when they wash themselves in the living waters of the word, that they would finally be able to understand it, that they would finally be able to see it as the way that you wrote it, Yeshua, that they would finally be able to taste and see the walk that you have carved out for them as it is written. Father, not as it is written, quoted by the enemy, but as it is written, spoken by your own mouth. Father, I ask that, Lord, that you would come, Lord, and give us the victory in this war. Come and give us the victory, Father. That, Father, the, the, even the, the voices that said it is over, it is defeated. Those who have family members and friends who are distraught over them right now, we pray for all of them. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us the victory. I thank you that in our households and in our workplaces, you give us the victory. Help us to remain immovable so that every unclean spirit would flee at the sight of your Holy Spirit that you have placed within us. We pray all this in the name of the Messiah. Thank you for joining me. Please share this message far and wide. And I thank you for joining us live.
If you want to be notified of these live streams, you can text Yeshua to 94000. And I want to say a special thank you to all of you for joining me and our partners for making nights like tonight possible. I love you guys very much, and I'll see you guys in the next video. Shalom.